Hey guys, it's Ryan. Thanks for tuning into Theology-ish. Before we jump in, I just want to emphasize that the discussions on this podcast are exploratory in nature and delve into a variety of theological perspectives. They do not strictly represent or define our personal stances on the faith nor the doctrine of our affiliated churches. We encourage listeners to reflect, question, and seek guidance from their local church leaders. Our goal is to foster understanding and curiosity. We ask that you listen with a humble and discerning mind. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish, your favorite podcast all about theology and things there within, like biblical studies and ecclesiology last week and Star Wars sometimes, apparently. My name is Ryan, and I am joined today, as always, by William. That's me. What is up? The ceiling is up. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you come up with that just now? Yeah. Just all by yourself. I sure did. I'm so proud of you. That was a very genuine laugh for all of you listeners out there yeah, as well. Yeah, I wasn't faking at all. Anyway, <laughs> today on Theology-ish, we will be talking about a really cool guy. One of the coolest. One of the coolest guys. He so, sure is one of the guys ever. Yes, out of all the guys to ever be. He's up there. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about St. Polycarp of Smyrna. Smyrna is located on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. It's a little bit—it's kind of nearby where Philippi is. You might know where that is offhand yeah, because of the Philippians that Paul writes to. You know, those yeah. guys. So, it's near there. Ignatius writes to them, too. Ignatius does write to them. Or, is that the Philippines? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Philippines. Yeah. Anyway. No. Philippi's in Greece. Is it? What am I thinking of that's near Smyrna? I don't know. Ephesus. Is that what it is? I think it's Ephesus. Ephesus is near Smyrna. I don't know. Google... Uh, where is Smyrna and then you will find it and then you can look and Google where is Ephesus and where is Philippi modern day Turkey modern day Turkey is, is where Smyrna is I know that much for also sure also where Noah's Ark totally is on top of that mountain they're lying to you don't let them tell you otherwise maybe so but that's not what we're talking about today what we're talking about today is Polycarp of Smyrna so Smyrna modern day Turkey right Polycarp is made the bishop of Smyrna by none other than John the Beloved, who you might be familiar with because, you know, he's in the Bible. He sure so is. He makes Polycarp of Smyrna the bishop of Smyrna right around uh, the year 100, a little bit before John dies, because he dies right around the year 100, give or take a few. Um, makes Polycarp bishop of Smyrna. Polycarp is now bishop. and he John dies. John dies, and Polycarp serves faithfully as the leader of that church, for many, many years, until about the year 156, maybe 157-ish, uh, somewhere in there. And in February of one of those years, he is martyred for his faith. And before Polycarp gets martyred for his faith, another gentleman by the name of Ignatius, Ignatius Yes, Ignatius of Antioch. He was a bishop of Antioch, and he was taken from Antioch, which is kind of over in Israel, sort of that way. Yeah. To the east of modern-day Turkey, right? East and down. And he's taken from there, and the Romans bring him to Rome to martyr him there. And why they do that is still a little bit of a mystery, because usually— when you're going to kill someone for doing breaking the rules in ancient Rome, you would just kill them where you're at. But they don't do that with Ignatius. They bring him all the way to Rome, probably to make an example out of him, right? And they're trying to make yeah. a big deal out of this. And they bring him on a death march from Antioch all the way to around that area. And then they put him on a boat and take him to Rome from there. And Ignatius writes seven letters. Six of them are to different churches, 
And one of them is to a young bishop that he meets on his journey named Polycarp. And it's Polycarp of Smyrna, the same fellow that we'll be talking about today. Yes. And Polycarp himself compiled all of these letters, and he sent them to a bunch of different churches so that everyone could read Ignatius's letters because they're very good. You can find them quite easily online if you care. They're beautiful and haunting and uh, great read, and we'll do an episode on them someday, I'm sure. But Polycarp collects all these, and he sends them out, and he sends a collection of these letters to the Philippians. And when he sends that collection, he writes a letter to them himself. And it's Polycarp's letter to the Philippians that we still have to this day. Yes. That you can also find and read. Um, and we're going to talk about that briefly before we move on to talk about the story of Polycarp's martyrdom. Um, yeah. So what... what uh, what are your thoughts on the epistle to the Philippians, Ryan? Well, uh, I will start by saying <clears throat> I personally think that Polycarp is the coolest apostolic father. He's definitely up there. He, probably my favorite read out of the bunch. Really like Polycarp. Uh, even though we've only got one thing by him. And then, you know, the accounting of his martyrdom was not written by him because... Right, he He's was dead. Dead at the end of that. But just the story of his martyrdom is also fantastic. Um, really big fan of Polycarp. Big, big fan. Um, I just reread through these like an hour ago mm. before we got this recording session started. You didn't. It's true, I didn't. <laughs> but so, I have read it before a couple of times. Yeah, so I've I'm, got it fresh on the mind right now. Um, it's, it's pretty short. The epistle is like three pages and the, the, yeah, the recounting of his martyrdom is like five, six pages. You can knock the whole thing out in like 20, 30 minutes. Super easy read. Yeah, you can, uh, take care of that while you're taking care of your morning business if you know what i mean yeah and let's just go ahead and get this out of the way because we know it's going to happen at this point let's shout out this book early christian writings by maxwell staniforth which is a penguin classics publication it's got all of the apostolic fathers except for the shepherd of hermes I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. And it also has the epistle to Diognetus, which is Um, not that, but it's it's missing Papias, but Papias only exists as fragments. So it's got the rest of them, though. It's most of the Apostolic Fathers. Let's put it that way. A good translation. You can probably pick it up for cheap. Go buy it. So let's uh, let's jump into it. So the epistle to the Philippians. What's uh? What's the point of this letter, William? Why is he writing this? Well, it, it's a cover letter, like I said, for the uh, letters of Ignatius, if I'm recalling correctly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that is correct, but, you know, he, he's got some stuff to stay in yeah, there. Yeah, Ignatius so. is now dead, um, so Polycarp is, he reflects on that a little bit, and he wants to offer the Philippians some encouragement, as one is wont to do. And I, does he have any, uh, any heresies that he's antsy about in this? I don't don't remember. Not, not that I remember just having read it kind of off the top of my head. Just general instruction and, and a letter of goodwill. Yeah. Um, he does say later on, he does say, uh, to deny that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is to be the antichrist. So there's that. Yeah, uh, there's... We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, the docetist heresy that he's... Yeah. And the Gnostics that he's thinking about. Yeah, so if you want, I can just read the opening to this letter, the opening chunk, um, and I think that'll give us a pretty good idea of where he's headed. Yeah, go on, go on ahead and give us that. All right. So this is from Polycarp and his clergy to the colony of God's church at Philippi. All mercy and peace to you from God Almighty and Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
When you welcomed these copies of The True Love and took the opportunity of setting them forward on their road, it made me as happy in Jesus Christ as it did you. For those chains they were wearing were the badges of saints, the diadems of men truly chosen by God and our Lord. It does my heart good to see how the solid roots of your faith, which have had such a reputation ever since the early times, are still flourishing and bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. In him, endurance went so far as to face even death for our, for our sins. But God overruled the pages, pangs of the grave, sorry. God overruled the pangs of the grave and raised him up to life again. Though you never saw him yourselves, yet you believed in him in a glory of joy beyond all words, which not a few others would be glad to share, well knowing that it is by his grace you are saved, not of your own doing, but by the will of God through Jesus Christ. Got any, uh, got any thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are more closely tied to the following paragraph. Mm, I don't okay. have anything in particular to say about paragraph one. Yeah, we can read that. Yeah. You want to you go for it? Sure, sure. So gird up your loins now and serve God in fear and sincerity. No more of the vapid discourses and sophistries of the vulgar. Put your trust in him who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory and a seat at his own right hand. All things in heaven and earth have been made subject to him. Everything that breathes pays him homage. He comes to judge the living and the dead, and God will require his blood at the hands of any who refuse him allegiance. And he that raised him from the dead will raise us also, if we do his will, and live by his commands, and cherish the things he cherished. If, that is to say, we keep ourselves from wrongdoing, overreaching, penny-pinching, tale-telling, and provoc and prevaricating 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 and bear in mind the words of our lord and his teaching judge not that you be not judged forgive and you will be forgiven be merciful that you may obtain mercy for whatever you measure out of other people will be measured back again to yourselves and again happy are the poor and they who are persecuted because they are righteous for theirs is the kingdom of god mm, so. he, he's got like uh Pretty much, it's not that dissimilar from creeds that we get later, like the Nicene Creed or the yeah. Apostles' Creed. That second paragraph is almost the Nicene Creed. So it's got yeah. stuff about um, Jesus' death and resurrection, being put at the right hand of the Father, um, that he's going to return to judge the living and the dead, that the righteous will be rewarded, the wicked will be punished, et cetera, et cetera. So we get all of that stuff that morons like to say Christians didn't think until the fourth century right here in Polycarp, writing shortly after Ignatius's martyrdom. So that's around 115 at the latest, probably. And he's saying the sort of things that we see in the creeds later. And that's um, significant, you know? Yeah, and... If you recall the John Shelby Spong episode... That's the idiot I had in mind. Uh, he he specifically calls out that, well, how are we to trust the creeds of Nicaea and of, you know, whatever, these, these other creeds, I can't remember where all they're from. Chalcedon. Yeah, how are we supposed to trust the Chalcedon Creed or the Nicene Creed when these came out in the 4th century, the 15th century, the, you know, the, the 9th century? Well... They didn't think the same way that the people before them did. Well, if he had read Polycarp, he might realize, huh, maybe they did. He wouldn't because John Shelby Spong is dead now. Which He's dead now. We, yeah, we never made that retraction. I meant to what do retraction? that. retraction? I stand by everything I said. Well, no, but <laughs> something we didn't realize when we recorded that episode is that he had past the year uh in 2021 yeah he's, he's uh we we didn't realize he had already gone on to the next life whatever that may look like for him it's not my place to say uh i have a guess and, and in william's own words i hope to be surprised by his presence in 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 the in the sight of the lord 
Uh, um, would it be all right with you if I read the Nicene Creed real quick, just so that yeah. everyone that might not know it yeah, go can for hear it. it, and then we can look back to Polycarp and see That'd be good. how those line up? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So that that's from the Council of Nicaea, circa 325, I believe. Yeah. And so we've got Polycarp, circa 115, in his epistle to the Ephesians, saying... Philippians. Um, what did I say? Ephesians. Oh, Philippians, yes. Put your trust in him who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory and a seat at his own right hand. All things in heaven and earth have been made subject to him. Everything that breathes pays him homage. He comes to judge the living and the dead, and God will require his blood at the hands of any who refuse him allegiance. And he that raised him from the dead will raise us also, if we do his will and live by his commandments and cherish the things he cherished. Do you see how that's very similar to what we see in the Nicene Creed? You reckon when they were writing the Nicene Creed, they took some of this, like, intentionally? Because that's that's extremely similar. Uh, I don't know if they were reading Polycarp. They they likely were, I assume. But I would hope. Yeah, they might they might have been. I don't know. I haven't done like a super deep dive on Nicaea. Um, that's my plan for twenty twenty five is to really dive into the Nicaean literature. It's a good plan. Yeah. But uh, but that's to come, and for now, I have not done that, so I don't know if they were reading Polycarp. At the very least, this is the sort of thing that Christians were saying in the early days of the church with consistency. And so even if they didn't know that Polycarp had written it, they were aware that Christians said that sort of thing, so they themselves said that sort of thing, and then we get it in the, uh, in the creed. So... Let's see here. So after Polycarp says this part, he does the introduction, and then he has his section on that kind of sounds like the Nicene Creed. He goes on in paragraph three, and he says, Not that I should be taking taking it on myself to write to you in this way about the life of holiness, my brothers, if you yourselves had not invited me to do so. For I am as far as anyone else of my sort from having the wisdom of our blessed and glorious Paul. During his residence with you, he gave the men of those days clear and sound instruction in the word of truth. While he was there in person among you, and even after his departure, he still sent letters, which, if you study them attentively, will enable you to make progress in the faith which was delivered to you. Faith is the mother of us all, with hope following in her train, and love of God and Christ and neighbor leading the way. Let a man's mind be wholly bent on these, and he has fulfilled all the demands of holiness. For to possess love is to be beyond the reach of sin, which sounds very much like John in his epistles. It does. Which makes sense because John's the dude that said, you, Polycarp, you're going to be the bishop here. Yep. They had a uh, pretty significant relationship, right? They knew each other well, and John taught Polycarp these things. We also have that by the year 115-ish, Polycarp in Smyrna is familiar with Paul's letters to the Philippians, right? Yeah. So within the 60 years that have passed since then, that letter has made its way down into Turkey and it's circulated around. Um, 
and it was well known and people were reading it and Polycarp was familiar with it and he knew that the Philippians themselves had copies of it that they were still looking at. So there's a... That's significant for the development of the canon. Yeah. Which uh, we'll have to talk about that someday. Just talk about why the canon became what it is and how that was formed. But uh, I do want to backtrack just a second here. Yeah, sure. Back into that second paragraph. Um, Something I just wanted to point out is when he says, he that raised him from the dead will raise us also if we do his will and live by his commandments and cherish the things that he cherished. If that is to say, we keep ourselves from wrongdoing, overreaching, penny-pinching, telltaling, etc., etc. What you gather from that is that the people of his day, the church of his day, and if you really do your research, you'll find the church for almost all of history did not buy into the Western pseudo non-denominational baptist left behind rapture theory that is not how they viewed post-life with christ right because i can't tell you how shocking to me it is the embarrassing i i say that genuinely the embarrassing number of christians today in america that i have personally met or, or heard speak who wholly buy into the idea of this left behind rapture theory, right? Mm-hmm. Because if anyone does any lick of research into church history, they'll find that wasn't around until like what the fifties. Uh, it, it was like 18 something. So it was 19th century. Extremely recent. Yeah. It's uh, so that, that well, real quick, if you would yeah. uh, explain what you mean by the rapture, and then we can uh, dunk on it. So there are a few differing opinions about what that can mean, depending on who you ask and how they view it. By and large, though, rapture theory is the idea that scripture in Revelation talks about the second coming of Christ, of course, and how the, the verse they'll often point to is how we will be brought up into the sky with Christ. And basically the overarching idea behind rapture theory is we'll be brought up into the sky with Christ and ascended to heaven with him. And all of the good Christ loving, fearful people will go to heaven and everyone else will remain on earth for the tribulations and then subsequently be cast into the eternal hellfire and the lake of fire and Spend eternity there. And that's that. That's the rapture. Everyone else gets left behind. Now, and some Christians will get really upset if you say that, that if you phrase the rapture like that, because they believe that the rapture will happen after the tribulation. Yeah. So there's and it's a big deal. Pre-tribulation pre and post-tribulation rapture theory. Right. But the the point is, Holy Scripture, if you read it carefully... And if you look at the teachings of the church historically until 18-something, that's not how they understood Revelation. And they didn't understand the end of things, the eschatology, as being about uh, being teleported to heaven or uh, and then a bunch of horrible things happening as the world ends and then all the bad people going to hell. It's not how they understood it. They, they believed that we would have a bodily resurrection in the end times just as Christ had a bodily resurrection, right? Christ is yes. the firstborn of and the resurrection. That's a scriptural phrase. And we are going to participate in that with Christ. That is the Christian And here's confession. what bothers me so much about people who buy into rapture theory and things like that is i don't feel like it's that confusing right like it don't get me wrong revelation's confusing there's a lot of weird stuff in there but the overarching premise of what's coming is not it it, i feel like it lays it out pretty clear especially in the fact when it talks about the new jerusalem and how we will spend the rest of eternity in the new jerusalem after he has wiped the old heaven and the old earth away 
and reformed them into the new Jerusalem and we will be brought back to light. Like, am I crazy or is that pretty straightforward overall? Um, Revelation is, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't poo poo anyone that is confused by it yeah. or has some idea about eschatology that's funky because Revelation is a funky thing to read. But this is why it is helpful to read the early church fathers and to know your church history because it, even just knowing the creeds, right? Yeah. Uh, because the Nicene Creed talks about how we will uh, have a bodily have resurrection a, a resurrection from the dead and a life in the world to come and we find that time and time again in uh the the church fathers it is almost a given for them that there will be a resurrection yeah in every significantly sized piece of writing from the church fathers that i've read this includes justin martyr who writes around 150 all of his large works this includes uh origin of alexandria tertullian of carthage augustine of hippo uh, i think even boethius he's not technically a church father doesn't he talk about the resurrection? i believe he does yeah they all talk about he's the an apologist yeah they, they all talk about the resurrection um so there you go. Yeah, and the resurrection's a thing. Yeah, just to put this out there since I mentioned it, if you don't know what I what I said uh what I meant when I said like left behind ideology, left behind is a movie that came out in what the 80s, 90s. Well, it was books first. Yeah, but and then, then it was it into a movie. movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it came out in what the 80s or 90s? I don't know. Something like that. I've never actually seen it, but if if my understanding of it is correct, the overarching premise is the rapture happens yeah. and then it's the story of this guy who is quote left behind and that um and it's like oh no it's the apocalypse yeah ah. and i'm not gonna tell you what to think if you buy into rapture theory i'm not gonna argue with you but i'll tell you what to i think. will tell I'll you you're wrong with you. <laughs> yeah you're wrong <laughs> i'll tell you you're wrong uh but all that to say i just bring that up to, to point out this is as close to the New Testament church as we can possibly get. Yeah, this guy... Is, without actually being in the New Testament. And he is making it very clear that he buys into a bodily resurrection. Right. Uh, what time are we at? Oh, like 17 minutes. Oh, only 17 minutes. Yeah. Great. Anything else that you want to say in particular about that? Or do you want to... No, that's just some food for thought for yeah. anyone out there who's into that kind of stuff. Just, uh, I, I hope you understand that for all of church history until like the late 1800s or something, unanimously held to the idea of the bodily resurrection. That is yeah. a very new ideology, and, and it, I don't think it's a very good one. Um, I have not done a deep dive into this yet. Someday. Yet. Um <laughs> uh, but the guy who we can track the rapture to, because we can track it to a particular guy because it was never brought up prior to this guy. Yeah. Um, there's, like, weird stuff going on with him with, like, oh, uh, there's, like, a weird theology of, like, a new dispensation of new revelations from God where, that are revealed through, like, dreams from but their dreams from like this one lady in his church and she would tell him the dream and then he would interpret it and yeah it, it, it's like it's weird eh. i'm not saying the holy spirit couldn't do that but it's right? weird but if it goes against what the holy spirit seems to have been totally chill with for 1800 years yeah then let's let's talk about it all right yeah so so if you want to talk about rapture theory, you can email us at theologyish at gmail.com. And you can tell us that we're wrong about the resurrection, and I will call you a heretic. Uh, <laughs> paragraph five. We know that God is not mocked, and therefore we owe it to ourselves to behave in a manner worthy of his precepts and his glory. By the same token, our deacons must never be open to any reproach at the bar of his righteousness, remembering that they are ministers of God and Christ and not men. 
There must be no traducing of others, no paltering with the truth, no itching palms. They must be men utterly self-disciplined, humane, and hardworking, who pass their lives in the true spirit of the Lord who came to be the servant of us all. To please him in this present world is to earn the world to come. For we have his promise that he will raise us from the grave. And if we prove ourselves good citizens of his here, we shall reign with him hereafter, if we have faith. Our younger men, like the deacons, must be unspotted in all respects, making purity their first care and keeping a strict curb on any tendencies to loose living. In this world, it is a good thing to make a clean break with all our carnal desires, because all the lusts of the flesh are up in arms against the spirit. And because no fornicator, pervert, or sodomite will inherit the kingdom of God, nor anyone else of dissolute habits. Our duty, therefore, is to give everything of this kind a very wide berth, and be as obedient to our clergy and deacons as we should be to God and Christ. The, con- the conduct of our young woman, women equally must show the unblemished purity of their conscience. So, um, in paragraph... Two, no, paragraph three. Mm, where is it? Mm, I wanted to point something out. So if you ever get around to reading Church Fathers, yes, you will find that they make a big deal about conduct, like we just read in that paragraph that we just read, right? Where Polycarp says that, the deacons have to behave themselves righteously, right? Talks about how you need to give a wide berth to loose living and the young women need to have unblemished purity of conscience. Um, and earlier in this letter, I think it's paragraph two, he talks about, no, it's paragraph one at the end of it. Uh, it is by his grace that you are saved, not of your own doing, but by the will of God through Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. And so then we get Protestants who might point to that and be like, see, Catholics are wrong. Works righteousness sucks. Fair enough. If only works righteousness was a temptation we really struggled with. Um, <laughs> but later on, Polycarp tells us quite clearly that there is a direct relationship between our actions and uh, the world to come, right? There, yeah. There's a direct relationship between uh, righteous living and um, union with God. Is that a fair way to put that? You, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it even draws me to, in our last episode, when you made the comment that there are probably more pastors out there than there ought to be because a lot of them aren't cut out for it. Yeah, they They, suck. They ought not be pastors. And here we see Polycarp talking about deacons and how they ought to behave a certain way and live up to a certain standard. Right. And this... You'll find this time and time again if you get into reading the Church Fathers. They have an understanding of faith where works are tied up into it, where works are part and parcel of faith. Much well, like William, James says... A faith without works is dead. Exactly. So they have this idea of faith where while we receive salvation through the grace of God in Jesus Christ, your faithfulness to God is the right response to that. And that does require something of you. And it does require a particular way of living. And that, if you ever get around to reading this, you might see that and be like, wait, I thought it was salvation by grace and grace alone. Didn't he say that? Well, kind of. But through grace, you receive the capacity to be faithful. And now you must be faithful. What is it, that thing that Jesus really liked to say to to people after he'd finished healing them or miraculously curing their blindness. Go and sin no more. Yeah, that's the one. Um, we talked about this a lot in our episode on sin. We, we did. And 
we touch on whether or not one can stop sinning. Uh, Maybe. Go listen to that episode, but it's what he says, yeah. you know? <laughs> I, I just wanted to point that out in case you guys do get around to reading this, and then you're like, and you wait should. a second. Wait a second. What's Polycarp? Is Polycarp a Catholic? Is he saying works well, righteousness? Actually, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in his epistle specifically, uh, but I do know that in his martyrdom, the account of his martyrdom, uh, the author actually refers to the church as the Catholic Church. Yeah, the first use of Catholic Church in writing is by Ignatius of Antioch, who knew Polycarp. So yeah, that's interesting. Do not confuse that with the Roman Catholic Church because it's different. Um, we've well, kinda. We kinda, we've made this uh, this distinction in a previous episode. I forget when, but we talk about how the word Catholic just means universal or all encompassing. Catholic in itself just means that, right? And that's what the Church is. It is all encompassing and universal. So when they say the Catholic Church, they don't mean Roman Catholic in the way that we have that today. They mean the church, the one holy church. That's that's what they mean when they say that. So if you're reading the Apostolic Fathers and you're a Protestant and you get scared because they say Catholic and, oh, no, am I reading Catholic stuff? It's different. When they say Catholic, they mean it differently than Roman Catholic. And maybe you should read Catholic stuff. Maybe some Catholic stuff is good. Perhaps, maybe. but... But, you know, you don't want to risk learning something, so the maybe. point, <laughs> The point being, the Catholic Church of old and the Roman Catholic Church of today are not one in the same, because yeah. the Vatican Roman Catholic II. Church split from that Catholic Church when the Great Schism happened. Well... More or less. Eh, kind, kind of. Yeah. It's, it's a bit more nuanced than that, but yeah, it, the, at the time, there were no denominations. Yeah. You were part of the Catholic Church. Or you weren't part of the church. Or you were a heretic. Yeah, so don't, don't get scared off when you see them say Catholic in reference to the church. That's what they called it. In fact, uh, you don't see the church really refer to themselves as Christians that much in very early writings like this. Uh they do use it in Polycarp, actually. Uh, that is a word used, is Christian. Most of them use Catholic more times than they use Christian, though. That's just what they called themselves. Yeah, well, um, once we get into the second century and we start having heretics like the Docetists, the Marcionites, the... Um, who else? The Valentinans, Gnostics, etc., etc. Once we start getting heretics, heretics refer to themselves as Christians. Yeah. Right? So they'd be like, oh, yo, we're Christians, bro. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, where are the Catholics then? Yeah. Right. So we, I think it's Tertullian of Carthage talks about this, how um, people who say they are Christians will still acknowledge that they are not Catholics. Right. Yeah. So it kind of became like a a clarifying term yeah the catholic christians are the right ones and then the uh, marcionite christians are not yeah and then it's not until much later that we see the distinction between roman catholics and protestants yeah that's 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 a much later thing 15 something yeah let's let's keep trucking along here though uh you got any uh, i want to talk about paragraph 11 do you have anything prior to that that you wanted to draw attention to uh let's take a look I do want to touch on seven. Okay. I'll read seven because that's the one that I mentioned earlier. Uh, So we'll just, we'll go through that. To deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is to be the antichrist. To contradict the evidence of the cross is to be of the devil and to pervert the Lord's words to suit your own wishes by asserting that there are no such things as resurrection or judgment is to be the first begotten son of Satan. That's heavy, and also, we, we see it there again. I'm just going to point out the resurrection thing. It's also there. And I, I just wanted to throw this out there. If you got a problem with that, I'm sorry, you're a heretic. <laughs> Email at us at, at theologyish at gmail.com, and I will call you a heretic again, and it'll be great, and we'll have a fun time. <laughs> we'll call you the first begotten son of Satan, in Polycarp's <laughs> own words. So, 
Let us have no more of this nonsense from the gutter and these lying doctrines and turn back again to the word originally delivered to us. Let us be sober and watch unto prayer, earnestly adjourning the all-seeing God to lead us not into temptation, since as the Lord has told us, through the Spirit, though the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Yeah, so he's probably talking about either Docetists or Marcionites, which were two heretic groups that we start cropping up around this time. The Docetists say that Jesus seemed to be a human, but was not actually a human. He was a spirit that looked human. And that That's takes wrong. its name from the Greek word for seems, like dokeo or something. So, docetist. And the Marcionites, who... There was this dude named Marcion who didn't like the Old Testament, and he was like, yeah, ignore that. We just like the New Testament. And he took Luke and some of Paul's epistles, and he edited them very heavily and was like, there you go. That's what the Bible should be. And it was bad and dumb. And Polycarp once was in Rome, and Marcion knew that Polycarp was in Rome, and he approached him, and he goes, hey, Polycarp. Polycarp looks at him, and he says, do you know who I am? And Polycarp goes, yes. You are the firstborn of Satan, which is an excellent story. <laughs> um, yeah, so he so, might have been thinking of Marcion when he wrote this, or yeah, he could have been thinking of the Docetists. So, Both of those were kind of active around this time. To believe in those bad doctrines is to be the first begotten son of Satan. So, you know, don't do that. Yeah, generally, that's a no-no. We don't want to be first. Be- we don't want to be second third or fourth begotten of satan either no being but certainly not first certainly not first avoid being begotten of satan if you can yeah all right let's uh let's get into 11 here and then probably after that jump into the martyrdom yeah or, or we could just focus on the the epistle and do the martyrdom some other day if you want it, yeah sure I, i'd rather treat this okay uh, yeah thoroughly because yeah we're at like 40 minutes so we've got like 20 minutes to go yeah so we'll we'll just stick with the the letter a little longer yeah all right all right because then we'd only have what like 10 minutes to to deal with the martyrdom and that's that's yeah if that's the case we can we can fit more stuff in here i want to touch on nine yeah go ahead (laughs) before we get to 11 i like nine i appeal now to every one of you to hear and obey the call of holiness and to exercise the same perfect fortitude that you have seen with your own eyes in the blessed Ignatius and Zosimus and Rufus, and not in them alone, but in a number of your own townsmen as well, to say nothing of Paul himself and the other apostles. Be very sure that the course of these men was not run run in vain, but faithfully and honorably, and that they have now reached a well-earned place at the side of the Lord, whose pains they shared. Their hearts were not set on this world of ours, but on him who died for our sakes and was raised up again for us by God. So I really like paragraph nine there because he not only talks about Paul, but also Ignatius Mm -hmm. and also Zosimus and Rufus. I don't know who those two are, but they're there. Presumably very... Very faithful. I'm assuming martyrs. Probably martyrs. I I don't uh, offhand recognize Zosimus or Rufus as uh, any specifics about them. I'm sure I could dig something up, but... Yeah, uh, but uh, I like this because this whole thing is pretty much just saying, hey, man, these guys did what they did very faithfully. Don't let that be for nothing. Do, Do what they did. Follow in their footsteps. Look to Paul. Look to Ignatius. Look to Rufus, I guess. Or, uh, as he mentioned as well, even some of their own townsfolk. Mm-hmm. Don't let their sacrifices be in vain. Don't let their martyrdoms be for nothing. Piggyback off that, man. What they did was good. Do good, too. So, I, I just like that. Yeah, it's good. I was going to read 11 next, but I let's do 10. Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's do it. All right. Stand firm, then, in these ways, taking the Lord for your example. Be fixed and unshaken in your faith. Care for each other with a brother's love and make common cause for the truth. 
Give way to one another in the Lord's own spirit of courtesy, treating no one as an inferior. When it is in your power to do a kindness, never put it off to another time, for charity is death's reprieve. Let everyone respect his neighbor's rights, so that the heathen may have no occasion to find fault with your way of life. By so doing, you will not only earn approval for the good you do, but you will avoid bringing the Lord into any disrepute. Woe betide anyone who does bring the Lord into disrepute. So impress upon everybody that they are to be as sober and sensible as you are yourselves. Mm. Um, when I was a kid, whenever we would go anywhere, and I do mean anywhere, whether it's grandmamas for Thanksgiving or church on Sunday or we're going out to eat at the Mexican restaurant with some friends, my parents had this speech that they would give to us. And it was basically... You represent us, you represent Jesus, you represent the church that we go to, you represent uh, families that homeschool because we homeschooled, Uh, you represent all of your ancestors, act right. Don't, Don't embarrass us, don't embarrass your grandmama, don't embarrass your church. Don't embarrass your pastor. Don't embarrass homeschooling families. Don't embarrass Jesus. Act right. And it was like this whole speech. And it was a lot to put on my tiny shoulders at the time, to be sure. But I tell you, Ryan, most of the time we acted right. Because by golly, we were representing everyone. Yeah. And Polycarp is saying the same thing to the Philippians that my mom and dad used to tell us. Yeah. He's saying, you guys represent Jesus. You have to act right, because if you don't, you bring uh, disrepute on Jesus. And woe to those that bring disrepute on Jesus. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Ever listen to an atheist really talk about what they think? Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, the problems aren't with Jesus. They're with Christians. Mm -hmm. And I've known some Christians. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That adds up. Yeah, but... He's, I, I think Polycarp's got a good point. Don't 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 bring the Lord into disrepute. Yeah, Act correct. Uh, you want to read number eleven? Or yeah, I can read number eleven. <clears throat> My heart is sore for Valens. Sometime, one of your clergy that he should have so little understanding of the office that was conferred on him. It moves me to warn you earnestly against any excessive fondness for money and to insist upon your absolute probity and integrity. You must keep yourselves from the slightest taint of wrong. If a man has no control over himself in the matters of this sort, how can he possibly preach it to anyone else? If he fails to rise above the love of money, he will find himself corrupted by the work worship of his idol and be classed yeah classed with the heathens who know nothing of the divine judgment do we not know paul teaches us that it is god's people who are judged the world who judge the world sorry who are to judge the world i can read i swear i am not saying that i have seen or heard of anything of the sort among yourselves you with whom the blessed paul labored and who were his letters of condemnation Commendation. Commendation. I can't read. In those early days, and of whom he made his boast in all those churches where alone God was then known in the time before we ourselves had received the knowledge of him. I feel the deepest sorrow for any that man and his wife. May the Lord grant them real repentance. You too, for your part, must not be over severe with them, for people of that kind are not to be looked on as enemies. You have to restore them, like parts of your own person that are ailing and going wrong, so that the whole body can be maintained in health. Do this, that you will be promoting your own spiritual welfare at the same time. So there's a guy who's one of the leaders at the church in in Philippi. His name's Valens, and it appears that he stole some money. uh, Yeah. Or embezzled or something. And he and his wife are now estranged from the church. Yeah, and it seems that his wife was in on it, too. Yeah, 
yeah, so they're they're now estranged from the church. And, you know, when the pastor embezzles money, the uh, go-to thing is to, you know— Make them not your pastor. Well, I was going to say beat them up, uh, but oh. that too. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, but Polycarp, he doesn't say to beat up Valens. He says that they should not be treated as enemies, that they ought to be restored like parts of your own body that are ailing. Um, you're supposed to to mend them insofar as you can and, and treat them and try to, yeah. to bring them back to health, uh, which is a lovely... A lovely thought, and I think that a lot of our churches would be better off if we acted that way. But he also talks about how he prays that they will, ha- he and his wife will be brought to real repentance. Yeah, that qualifier "real" is really important there. He's not just like, yeah, they need to. No, no, no. They they, they don't goofed, <laughs> and we want them to ungoof and to be restored to the body of Christ. But it does require real repentance on their part. Yeah. Um, so that that's a, a lovely little passage that I quite like. Yeah. And I'm just throwing this out there. Valens lived almost 2,000 years ago. Yeah. And we still know that fella's name because he stole money from the church. Mm-hmm. He could have just been forgotten to the sands of time if he had just done his job right. But no, we remember him and we remember him as a dirty, rotten TV boy. So don't thieve or people 2,000 years from now will know about your thievery. Yeah, if he hadn't done that, maybe we'd have a St. Valens, you know? Well, we probably do have a St. Valens. Well, yeah, but that St. Valens. Yeah. He could have been sainted by the Catholic Church for all we know because he was a good boy and a good a good priest. But instead of doing that, he stole money. Yeah. And now we remember him as a bad, bad, steely boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we call them. You want to you wanna do 12? Yeah, let's do 12. Because uh, it's only 14. We've only got a few left. I have no doubt that you are well-versed in Holy Scripture and that it holds no secrets for you, which is more than has been granted to me. Only it says there, do not be angry to the point of sin. Do not let the sun go down on your indignation. The happy man is he who keeps this in mind. And I am sure that it is true of you. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal high priest Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, help you to grow in faith and truth and unfailing gentleness and the avoidance of all anger, in patience and forbearance and in calmness and purity, to you and to ourselves as well, and to all those under heaven who shall one day come to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ and in his Father who raised him from the dead. May he grant part and portion among his saints. Pray for all God's people. Pray, too, for our sovereign lords and for all governors and rulers, for any who ill-use you or dislike you, and for the enemies of the cross. Thus the fruits of your faith will be plain for all to see, and you will be perfect in him. Which is a hard ask when their bu- good buddy Ignatius was, uh, you know, eaten by wild animals not terribly long before he wrote this. He says to pray for all of the Lord's governors and rulers. Yeah, so for all you Trumpies out there who aren't a big Biden fan, it's fine if you don't like them, but uh, maybe pray for them. Uh-oh. And all you uh, Bidenese, you know, you got to... Pray for the other guys too. Yeah, don't womp, don't womp. just don't selectively pray. Yeah, you got to pray for them all. Pray for them all. And the worse the leader is, the more you probably should pray for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um after that, I believe it's just kind of a It's kind of his closing remarks. I don't know if you want to read any of that or if you want to Want to do general reflections on it and then close out? Uh, Or is there something in 13 or 14 you'd like to... Let's take a look. Okay, so just looking at 13 here. I don't think Polycarp knew Ignatius was dead just yet. You don't think? No, and I'm going to read 13 and we'll see why. 
You and Ignatius have both written to me to ask whether anyone who may be going to Syria could deliver a letter from you there along with ours. I will see that this is done, perhaps by myself personally, if I can find a suitable opportunity, or else by someone whom I will send to act for both of us. I am sending you Ignatius's letters, as you requested, the ones who wrote to us, and some others that we had in our possession. They are enclosed here within, and you will be able to derive a great deal of benefit from them, for they tell you all about faith and perseverance and all the ways of self-improvement and involve our Lord. And if you should have any certain news of Ignatius himself and his companions, pray, let us know. So it's just that ending bit there. Mm. If you have any certain news of Ignatius himself and his companions, pray let us know. So I don't well, think Polycarp knows he's actually in dead yet. In part nine, he talks about Blessed Ignatius, Rosimus, and Rufus, and he uh, counts them with Paul and the other apostles. It, it might have been that he's pretty sure he's dead, but he hasn't actually heard anything. Yeah, because... So he might not know for sure. He yeah, might have heard that he died. in 9, he doesn't specifically state that he's dead. Yeah. Of course, it, it could have been like, uh, he's heard that he's dead, but he hasn't heard the yeah. specifics, so that might be what he's asking about. The only other thing I could take a jab at is if he's asking about, like, his body. Could be. Ignatius's remains so they can do something with it. Could be. Um, or, that's possible. You know, it could have been that Ignatius... Uh, left not terribly long ago a couple months or so yeah and he just hasn't heard back yet so yeah so it just reading that in my mind it's possible that polycarp wasn't positive that he had been martyred just yet so that's probably fair just an interesting thought um any broad reflections about the epistle to the philippians by polycarp of smyrna uh you know, when I was reading through Clement of Rome and through Ignatius of Antioch, uh, a, a thought that I had about those was, man, these are very Pauline. Mm -hmm. These are very Pauline letters, which is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I don't get that same th feeling from Polycarp. I feel like Polycarp's got a whole other thing going on than, than Pauline structure to his letter, right? Yeah. He... Because with Paul, what you'll see in most of his letters is he'll open up and say, hey, guys, it's me, Paul. Love you guys. Here's all the stuff you've been doing great. Love you guys. Keep doing that. And then he spends, like, the rest of the 80% of the letter saying, hey, you guys suck at this and this and that, and you need to do better because you suck at these things. Polycarp doesn't do that here. He spends most of it saying, hey— Philippi, you guys are awesome. Love you guys. Thanks for being Philippi, the church in Philippi. Keep doing that. And then, like, he briefly talks about, you know, the one guy stealing money and says, don't do that. And then talks about the heretics and how they are the first begotten son of Satan. So don't do that. But for the most part, in broad strokes, he's speaking very positively. Yeah, he's very Joannian. Yeah. Uh, whereas Clement and Ignatius are both rather Pauline, which makes sense because Clement of Rome knew, knew Paul. Paul and, well, he probably knew John too, but he yeah. spent more time, presumably. He was with buddies Paul. with Paul. He was buddies with Paul. And they were all buddies with each other, but you, you can definitely yeah. see the Paul influence influencing Clement, and you can definitely see John influencing Polycarp, which makes yeah. sense. Uh, they, they were. You know, the, that's the apostle that discipled and mentored that particular And appointed author. them, yeah. Yeah, and made them what they were. Um, so, yeah, just an interesting observation. Yeah, so go and read John's first, second, and third epistles, and then read Polycarp's epistle to the Philippians, because we didn't read it all. We read most of it, but not all of it, and you will definitely see where John influenced Polycarp. Yeah, any other uh, broad strokes thoughts here before we, we close out? Oh, just go read it. It's beautiful. And like four pages. Yeah, and then very soon we'll do an episode on the martyrdom of Polycarp, which... Yeah, we can do that the next time yeah. that, uh, we meet. Yeah, and I think that in particular is one of the most interesting writings from this period. 
I, I am partial to the Shepherd of Hermes because it's so weird. I like that uh, too. But Polycarp's Martyrdom is also gorgeous. It's a a beautiful little writing, and if you read it and don't find it moving, then you are dead inside. And it gets weird. So if you're into weird, yeah, and yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, we'll do that next. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed hearing Polycarp. If you have any problems with anything that we said, please shoot us an email at theologyish.com. I will email you back and tell you to go away because we're not wrong about anything ever. Uh, you know, you're, you really don't make it very enticing to email us when we do these. Well, it depends, <laughs> Brian. If they email me and they say something dumb, yeah, then I will email them back and tell them that. Okay. If they have something insightful or helpful or correct to say, then I will gladly <laughs> accept insightful, <laughs> helpful, and uh, correct things. Well, you heard it here first. Only email us if you have something correct to say, unless you well, want William you, to tell you, you you're can, stupid. You, I won't tell you you're stupid. I'll tell you you're a heretic and wrong. Um, <laughs> unless what you say is stupid. If it's just dumb, then <laughs> fine. Uh, but yeah, for all email, other things. Uh, Comment on the YouTube section. Yeah. Leave us a like. Leave us a five-star review on Spotify if you feel like we deserved it. If you feel like we got a four, that's fine, too. If it's like three or less, just don't bother, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, don't we don't want threes do or twos or one. If four and five, I'll take that. Um, yeah, so thanks for tuning yeah. in. And we will be seeing you next time, gamers. Uh, are we are we just doing that now? That's uh, like a recurring thing. Well, I am. You can do whatever you want. All right. Well, catch you later, gamers. See you on the flip side.